This is episode eight, the body serios, serios. Yeah. Episode eight. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to the Field Guide to Body Language podcast. My name is Laurel. I am a movement analyst and a body language nerd and also your host. Today begins a series on our most important tool for nonverbal communication, our body. It's important in any endeavor to understand the tools at your disposal and how they work. Learning about the body in body language is no different. Our body is our tool for nonverbal communication. Everyone has a slightly different model and we get regular updates. So it's important to at least have a cursory understanding as to what is going on. So I'm going to spend the next several podcasts talking about the human body. This will not be a boring anatomy lesson, or at least I'm going to try and not make it a boring anatomy lesson. Um, I just don't see a point in like going over the muscles and the bones and learning the names of everything. Uh, Cause if you want to do that, then just do a Google search. Um, what I want to give you in the next couple of episodes is a snapshot of how the human body is connected, uh, some basic principles for how the body works and how that relates to our endeavor to understanding body language better. Humans all have the same blueprint for anatomy, two arms, two legs, a head, and a torso, but all of our bodies have variation and that influences how we move, including how we communicate with body language. This opens the door to infinite anatomical variations and body language dialects that would be impossible and impractical to memorize. Um, So what I'm going to cover in the next couple of podcasts are six basic connections that humans exhibit. I'm also going to cover some of the surrounding theory that directly relates to the body, but it can certainly be applied to other things. Um, And I think you'll see what I mean when I get there. If you can wrap your mind around these six basic connections, you will have a foundation to start seeing the nuance in human bodies and human movement without getting lost in the possibilities. These connections that we're going to talk about are formally called the patterns of total body connectivity. They were developed by Ermgard Bartiniev, who was one of Rudolf Laban's students. Um, and if you'll remember, uh, for the purposes of this podcast, we do look at body language through the lens of Laban movement analysis. Rudolf Laban's system. Ermgard Bartiniev was a dancer and a physical therapist and a brilliant body worker um, in the company of other brilliant body workers. She was a contemporary of Feldenkrais, Alexander, Ida Rolf, um, all of whom are famous for their body work and have body working systems named after them. Um, I will leave Wikipedia links in the show notes in case you want to do a deep dive into any of those. They're all super interesting. Bartiniev also developed the Bartiniev fundamentals, which are a set of, I'm going to say exercises, but they aren't like a strength building endeavor. They're more of a movement exploration to get to know your body better. Um, unfortunately, the Bartiniev fundamentals aren't something that will really translate well in a podcast format. So I'm going to make that my next video. I promise I will have more on that for you when it's finished but I want to walk you through the fundamentals in person, or at least as close to in person as possible. So that's going to be in video format. It's just really nice to move while I'm talking and it will be nice for you to see what's going on in my body as I move. And then you can join along if you want. So in the podcast, we're going to talk about Bartiniev's patterns of total body connectivity and the surrounding theory, 
And the next video will be the Bartini of fundamentals, which reminds me, which reminds me, um, I am like juggling things behind the scenes a bit right now. I have a free intro video available on my website and the delivery system is functional, but it isn't working in a way that I love. So I'm moving over to Patreon. Um, my website will still be up and available, but the intro video will be for patrons only on Patreon. So if you want to watch that or download it for free, you should do that now. Or you can go support me on Patreon, which would be much appreciated because I would like to send my children to college. Um, and the video is available there too. Uh, the next video, the Bartinia Fundamentals, will also be on Patreon. Okay, getting back on track. If you happen to listen to the book review podcast, you heard me recommend Making Connections by Peggy Hackney. And that is literally, pun intended, <laughs> uh, the best book that covers these connections in depth. So if you were on the fence about ordering it, order it because we're going to work through a fair bit of it. It's certainly not required. I will walk you through everything. But if you wanted to read the book anyway, this is your moment. I have been a movement instructor for over 20 years, and I have seen people who are very connected into their bodies. They have like an intrinsic knowledge of where their bones are and their muscles are and how they work. And they can sometimes even activate them on command, which is fabulous. Other people will come in and I'll tell them to do something with their toes and they'll look at me like they've just realized that they have toes. Now, it's good to have a certain measure of body awareness, but we also need to be able to step out of that focus and enjoy the world around us. So being body aware isn't better or worse than not being body aware. We're always endeavoring to find a balance. We need to be able to tune into our body when we want to or need to and tune out of it when we want to focus on something else. All that being said, as we work through the patterns of total body connectivity, some listeners might be able to identify with and consciously move from these connections right out of the gate. And for others, it may take a while and a lot of practice. We are all just tuned into our bodies in varying degrees. So if you want to dig right in and it doesn't click right away, don't get discouraged it will come. The patterns of total body connectivity, which is a mouthful. So I tend to shorten it to PTBCs, um, are six deep neuromuscular body connections that start to develop when we're born and continue to develop throughout adolescence. These neuromuscular and functional connections underlie our expressive capabilities and therefore lay the muscular and neurological foundation for our body language. I love this quote from Making Connections. Quote, every human being is physiologically mandated to fulfill certain developmental tasks in order to be fully functional and expressive. That expressiveness the author is talking about is our everyday body language. That expressiveness can also be manifested in any one of the performing arts. Performing arts and everyday body language share the same physical, neurological, and emotional foundations, but in a performance, the expression is magnified. The first three PTBCs are foundational patterns that lay basic connections to support the body. The next three connections are movement-oriented patterns that inform how we use our bodies to move through space. Each of these six patterns lays a foundation for the ones that follow it. So I like to think of them all like in a pyramid. At the bottom, we have the first and most foundational pattern of breath, which is simultaneously the most simple and complex pattern. Then core distal, 
This pattern connects all of our distal ends, hands, feet, head, and tailbone into our core. It's also where we start to develop core support. Spoiler alert, core support has nothing to do with your six pack. Um, the next level of the pyramid, which is supported by the breath and core distal connections is the head tail connection. Here we start to realize and connect the movement of our complete spine from head to tailbone. Your skull isn't technically part of your spine, but it sits directly on top of the atlas and axis bones, the, the two bones at the top of your spine and can't move independently from the spine. So it's useful to have them neuromuscularly connected. Those are your three foundational patterns. Now above that, above the three supporting layers of like foundational patterns, we have three movement patterns. They are upper lower, which helps you stand in and mobilize your body from your legs while also being able to like reach out and interact with the world with your arms. On top of that, we have body half. This pattern connects your body to do like side to side movements. Anything you might do in a side bending fashion is connected here. Crawling utilizes the body half connection. Um, imagine a baby crawling or, or don't imagine it, go crawl on the floor yourself. I won't judge, um, with their right arm extended out and their right leg extended back so that the right side of their body is stretched out and the left side is like crunched up. That's body half. Cartwheels also utilize the body half connection. Um, if you want to try one of those at home, feel free, but please don't hurt yourself. Uh, the topmost layer of the pyramid, um, I'm just realizing now that I didn't use a dessert item to illustrate how the PTBCs support each other. You guys, oh my gosh, um, I'm feeling pretty great about my creative abilities right now, but I digress. Um, on, on the topmost layer of the pyramid is the cross lateral connection. This pattern essentially connects one arm to the other leg and creates a twisting motion. Y'all remember when power walking was big? If you don't, let me tell you about it because it is my life's work to bring back the 90s. Uh, power walking was a form of exercise made popular in the 90s, uh, characterized by like a vigorous stride with one leg and the opposite arm. It creates a subtle twist in the body, and that is the cross lateral connection. Those are the patterns of total body connectivity in a nutshell. There's a lot more to unpack in each of them. But right now, we're going to dive deep into the first and most foundational breath. Now, I'm going to level with y'all right now. I have studied movement since I was eight years old, and I have been completely mystified by the breath pattern until like last week. Okay, not, not really last week, but I read Making Connections at least three times before the concept of the breath pattern finally clicked. And they say this is the most foundational pattern. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. The pattern of breath is just that breathing, just breathing. I am very much a doer. So when something as simple as breath, which is taken care of by involuntary muscle contractions is touted as the basis for movement, that just seems a little mystic to me. Like why, why are we even spending time addressing something so basic? And in a society where we are measured by our accomplishments, by what we've done rather than who we are, it's super easy to write off something as simple and mindless as breath. We all breathe every day and most of us don't give it much thought. In my most recent reading of Making Connections, I came across this quote in the breath chapter, quote, 
it is sufficient to be, end quote. I've read it before, but this time struck me and it gave me so much peace. Did I cry a little? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I have a lot of anxiety and I tend to keep myself busy to kind of keep the crazy at bay. And so to read this and to really get it was a big deal for me. It's sufficient for me to just be a human in the ecosystem of the world, exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide over and over and over again. It also reminded me that I am enough. No matter how much money I make this month, no matter how many times I mess up trying to parent my kids, no matter if I accidentally kill all my houseplants or if I screw up the budget or if my bathroom isn't clean, it is sufficient to be. The breath pattern is built into our bodies the moment we take our first breath of air. It is essential to life. We can survive for weeks without food, days without water, but only minutes without breath. This is what's so cool about breath. Not only does our breath nourish our bodies, it anatomically connects every cell within us. Air comes into the lungs and oxygenates our blood, which carries fresh oxygen to each cell in the body. Every time you take a breath, you're reestablishing your body as a whole and also as a part of our greater ecosystem. We all see the same sky. We all breathe the same air. It both defines us and unifies us. Even though breath is a foundational pattern and not a quote movement pattern, there are still many times when we focus on our breath as a tool to tune into our bodies or to connect with others on a deeper nonverbal level. A person giving birth may practice Lamaze breathing to help ease the process. When working out, a specific breathing pattern might be employed to reap more benefits from an exercise. Um, if someone is trying to relax, often deep breathing is a good tool for that. Each of these examples has a physical and emotional element that is influenced by breath. Breath is a great inroad to understanding how other people are feeling. And you probably pay more attention to how other people breathe than you realize. Um, since breath is a vital measure of health, we tend to notice when someone's breathing is labored or when they're hyperventilating or if they stop breathing altogether. These examples all obviously require swift action, but sometimes there are more subtle breath patterns that we can tap into to understand how someone is feeling. To do this, we'll be using kinesthetic empathy. Kinesthetic empathy is when you put someone else's movements, in this case, their breathing pattern, into your own body to gain understanding into how they are feeling. If you decide to test this out, you will essentially be copying someone's movement. So needless to say, this technique calls for subtlety and self-control. Start with someone you know intimately, your best friend, lover, sibling, or other close family member, someone who won't think it's weird if you stare at them for a while while you try to figure out their breath pattern. Don't start with a stranger on the subway that's weird and you'll get arrested. So take a moment and observe the speed of their breath, the depth of their breath, the control of their breath, and how their breath affects the rest of their body. Bring those qualities into your breath. What does their breath feel like in your body? Are you more relaxed now? Are you more excited? Did you tense up? Do you feel stressed or rushed? 
Make a mental note of how you feel different after adopting a new breath pattern, because in this moment where no words have been exchanged, you now have insight into what the other person is feeling. And that is how you use your body as a tool for understanding body language. You didn't verbally ask your partner how they were feeling. You didn't have to translate movements into verbals and then back again, nor did you have to decode their pose into a feeling and pray that it was right. You just used your body, your greatest tool to understand their movement. And this is especially valuable for people who, for whatever reason, are nonverbal. I use this with two of my kids who didn't develop their verbal skills until they were older. I could tell they wanted to communicate with me and they were frustrated in their lack of ability. When I put their patterns in my body, it helped me understand where they were emotionally. Now I've got to give like a little warning here. Um, We have already talked about how emotions affect our movement. The reverse is also true your movements can affect your emotions. So if you decide to put someone else's breath pattern into your body, be aware that you will also be opening up a door to where they're feeling emotionally or how they're feeling emotionally. This might lift you up, but it might also bring you down. So pay attention to how you start to feel as soon as you take on someone else's breath patterning. And if you can't handle their emotion, leave their pattern. You're going to take three deep breaths to reset and then continue on with your natural breathing. As we wrap up today, I want to leave you with this cool little tidbit. Um, you can gently calm someone down with your breath. This works best with someone you know and have an established relationship with, but it's not limited to that circumstance. Let me give you an example, because I think this will probably illustrate my point the best. Um, When one of my boys was very small, don't ask me which boy, I have completely forgotten. He would get upset and have a hard time settling down. I would hold my crying son for a few minutes and then take a distinct, very purposeful, big breath. And then I'd breathe normally for a few breaths. And then I'd take another slightly bigger, slower breath. And then a few more regular breaths. With each big breath I took, I was demonstrating a conscious step from my regular shallow breathing into a big, deep, relaxing breath. I was showing him that he too could slow his frantic breathing down. Eventually, my son would catch the drift and try and take a big breath himself. The more I modeled the move from shallow breaths to deep breaths, the more he would try and follow along and he would finally calm down. Then we'd just be alternating big breaths being calmed together. Not a single word was spoken. We just breathed. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for sticking around to the end. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave me a review. Um, And if you'd like to support the show on Patreon, as I said, I'd really love to send my kids to college. Um, You can enjoy the additional video content. If you have questions, you can DM me on Instagram um, or email me at laurel at fieldguidetobodylanguage.com. Take care.